0: Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to continue uh, through our study of the book of Ezra's, uh, books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And this morning, as we turn to consider chapter 7, when I checked among the people and the priests, listen to this, he says, I found no Levites there. There was no one. Here's the, here's the problem. He had been given, the king had given him various sacred, various sacred objects for the temple to be brought back. And guess who was to carry those, those, those sacred objects? Not just anyone could do this. There was only Levites who had been given the role, the task of taking those, those uh, various pieces of of the temple, the various uh, t- sacred objects, back to the temple. And so he's like, "We didn't. We need some Levites." there's none. There's no one to show up. And so he can he, again. He uh, verse. Verse, uh, verse 16 says, so I summoned Eleazar and these various, these various, various leaders, men, men of learning, and he ordered them to go to another particular man by the name of Edo. Verse 17, I told them what to do, what to say to Edo and his fellow Levites, the temple servants, etc. And, and, and because of God's grace, verse 18, surely enough, they're able to recruit some Levites. But I want you to see the hesitation of God's people here that listen, so, of, so often the visible people of God simply don't care about the mission of God. So often the people of God are the people of God in name only. And here we see that. We see Ezra as a man, passion, a priest passionate for God's word, with political backing, praising God for it, and yet still struggling to find a people who are willing to sacrifice, and he does, he finds some, but for the most part, there really is little interest. Let me um, let me just again, I want to emphasize this idea that that scripture, I'm sorry, excuse me, political power is a puppet before the Lord, but the power of God's word acts like a pilot for our lives. I want to take a few minutes just to drive home that idea and we'll finish up here. Listen, I want to just share with you a a few scriptures from the Old and New Testament that speak of the power of God's word. First is Deuteronomy 8 chapter, 8, chapter eight, verse two and three. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's chapter, Deuteronomy chapter eight. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 17. It speaks of the king that Mo, Moses says, one day you will ask the Lord for a king. And this is how the king must live. Listen to this. The king is quote, to write for himself on a scroll, the copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and to follow carefully all the words of this law and 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 these decrees. Listen to this. He is to read it so that he will not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites. And so turn from the law to the right or to the left. He's seen the king, listen, the king doesn't need to have incredible organizational skills. The king doesn't need to have, you know, all this financial resources at his disposal. He needs to write a copy of God's word to have it with him at all times. Why? So that he won't think he's better than everybody else and starting, tre- starting to treat everyone else as if they were nobodies. Or to somehow privilege themselves. Oh, you know, I, 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 the rules don't apply to me. I'm special and therefore I can sin. And then there's this one beautiful promise that he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Joshua 1 verse 8. Here is Joshua faced with this martial responsibility of conquering the land. He needs troops. He needs training. He needs all this stuff. No, it says in verse 8 that he needs to do this, to keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Isn't that amazing? What a promise. Listen to this promise from Psalm, chapter, Psalm 1. Blessed or how fortunate is the man who does not walk on the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, his passion is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers isn't that amazing what a promise listen to psalm 19 verses 7 through 11 the law of the lord is perfect refreshing the soul do you want your soul to be refreshed restored renewed it's from the law of the lord the statutes of the the lord are, are trustworthy making wise the simple the precepts of the lord are right giving joy to the heart the commands of the lord are radiant giving light to the eyes the decrees of the Lord are firm and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Psalm 119 Your statutes are my, are my delight. They are my counselors. I am laid low, and listen to this I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. And finally, I'll have Psalm 130. And Psalm 130 is one of Martin Luther's uh, most, um, his most beloved psalms. And it's actually kind of where I am right now. Um, it very much speaks to my, my own heart, my own life, um, just my own struggle. Psalm 130 says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. The depths, that's the way of describing a situation where you just feel there's no way to get out. You're stuck and there's just, you're just desperate. And there's just really no hope. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attended to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept it a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Listen to this. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Where is your hope found? I mean, what sense of waiting? A sense of nothing has happened. I'm stuck in this pit and I'm waiting. How anticlimactic is that? How seemingly unproductive, how futile does it feel? I am in this pit. I'm crying out to you and I'm waiting. I will wait for the Lord my whole being waits, and in his word I will put my hope. Let me, let me close with this story. This is a story from um, a young lady who is, struggles with same-sex attraction. She's, she grew up from earlier days, struggled being a lesbian. She, she came, to, came to faith in Jesus Christ, but her struggle, with, um, struggle with, with same-sex attraction just didn't abate in any way, shape, or form. And she said she knew she wanted to serve the Lord, but she, she, uh, she didn't know quite how to, what that would look like. So she shares in her testimony, I was listening to it recently, she shares about how she, she decided to go to a Christian college and to pursue ministry. And she says this, I'm going to quote now. She says, And there I found a people who told me that I could be all things. It didn't matter that I was a woman who was attracted to women. God made me like I am, so I just needed to serve, I serve Him. So, listen to this. So I placed my hope in the cistern of being my authentic self. And I preached in churches with my girlfriend on the front row. I remember, ironically, delivering a sermon about the reconciliation of the prodigal son to the father. I knew I, I knew I had found my life-giving water. People told me I could be exactly who I was and that, and that that would bring me peace. But the more I was my authentic self, the more miserable I became. Wow. See, Scripture is clear that sin is fun for a season, and I had fun. The Scripture also says that our Father loves us enough to discipline us when we are insisting on doing things that are not best for us. And the Scripture also says that He Himself is the best. And He told the Israelites to choose this day whom you will serve. He placed a fork in my own road. I realized I could not serve Him and continue to serve myself. But after a couple of more years of trying to fix me, myself, I finally, finally came to the end of myself. I had believed that God's, listen to this, I had believed that God's law was some cosmic rule book and that he was a controlling killjoy. But the Holy Spirit, listen to this, but the Holy Spirit chose to use the law, literally, the, literally God giving the law in Deuteronomy 10, to dare me to trust him with my life and not just my eternity you see, my experience in looking for abundant life in this life, I had, mi- I had missed that completely because to, to experience abundant life here and now, you have to actually trust Jesus with this life. God told his people through Moses and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to, com- and to keep the commandments of the statutes of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, For your good. Isn't that beautiful? What are his commands and statutes for? They're for our good. Ezra, you can imagine Ezra, the priest, so passionate. He realizes, why is he so passionate? Because he sees God's word, that it is for our good. It is wisdom. It is to pilot our lives. And that and she continues, that was the phrase for your good. That was the phrase that the Holy Spirit continued to ring in my ears. Isn't that amazing? So beautiful. And she says after that, she goes on to say, um, she says, I, I went let me, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. That was then. that was the phrase the Holy Spirit continued to ring in my ears and in my heart as I continued to read where he says, Behold the Lord your God. To him belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and shows you their offspring after them. You above all people as you are this day. She concludes, so I decided to take God up on this dare. I dared him to do better with my life than I had. Isn't that great? I committed to actually reading His Word. Let me say that again. I committed to actually reading His Word. And I repented of a life of doing things my way, which is something I still have to do daily. And I turned to doing things His way, as if I actually believed that it is what was best for me. And wouldn't you know that from from that day on, his word came to life for me the more i obeyed whether i liked it or not, or agreed with it or even believed it the more i saw that he could be trusted that he did know what was best for me. The more I hid his word in my heart, the more it pierced my heart like the sword of the spirit that it is, laying bare before me the sin and selfishness of my heart, the lies I had believed about him and about myself, the more I filtered all my thoughts and feelings and attitudes through Scripture, the more I took my thoughts captive and made them obedient to Christ. Brothers and sisters, I just long, I long for a good shepherd to be a place who are filled with Christians who are passionate for the word of God, who have followed this young woman's counsel in her way, recognizing that God's word is a pilot for our lives, navigating us to blessing, navigating us to hope, to life. It's beautiful. Sometimes how it pains my soul the emails that I don't get from you whom I love, the emails that just don't come asking about what God's word means, that don't ask about, hey, how do I apply God's word to this situation in my life? The aching silence of people who don't know what they're missing out on. His word offers real hope, real wisdom. Don't miss out. Don't try to do this thing on your own. I don't have all the answers. Jesus does. And we can find them together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is as we turn to consider, as we turn to partake of this wondrous feast in front of us, the Lord's Supper. Father, how good it is to know that you are one who indeed has pursued us, has has welcomed us, and yet given us also a wisdom for this time, this day, this hour, this life that we are to live. Thank you for that, for you, to think, thank you for how you have not left us just to wander, but you've given us your wisdom. You've given us your truth. And Father, as we turn to consider your word this morning, we recall the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus Christ has made. And Father, we, we come to you now proclaiming his death proclaiming that he has died for us and we belong to him. Father, it is in his name that we pray these things. Amen.